right, we are recording, and here we go. Welcome to the family. Tom Bernard is running around, not here, yes. but we do have me, Alex Bernard-Rasmussen, the Generally the co-host, Catherine Brandt. And Andy Rappernard. And we'll be right back, and hopefully the host will be back, too. Hopefully. (laughs) Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, We're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tommy, it's quiz time. Ooh, I love quiz time. Let me guess. Breck called and they want their diploma back. Easy. I earned that fair and square. In fact, it's right... Ah, well, look what you made me do. Sorry. So what's the question? So you've heard about the new car inventory shortages, right? Yeah, you've mentioned it about a million times. Guess how many 2021 Rogues we have in stock at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan? Mm, Seven. Close. The actual number is 209. A lot of Nissan dealers are really low, but we're in good shape for the next month or so. So there's no reason to hurry? That's not great messaging. How about don't dawdle? There's a word you don't hear often there, Monty Burns. Yeah, funny. Anyway, the all-new 2021 Rogue is a great vehicle, and we're lucky enough to have a bunch. We've got great leases, and they all come with Walzer Care, which is a 10-year warranty for free. But wait, there's more. Read this. Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan want your trade and will give you an extra $1,000. That's pretty cool. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or WalzerNissan.com for details. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, president at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a community bank based right here in the Twin Cities, we believe in taking the time to get to know our customers and their businesses. And part of that is hiring and cultivating a team of experienced lenders When your business banks with us, you're not training in a new, inexperienced banker. In fact, our bankers have worked with many of the same customers for years, earning their trust. We get to know you and your business, and you get to know and rely upon us. When your business is looking to capitalize on an opportunity or solve a problem, we'll be here to help you. Tom here. I know Brad and Mike, and I trust that with my banking, they've personally delivered on everything they've just said. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show, also known as The Family. We have David Black coming up here. He is the author of a book called Ripped Apart, Living Misdiagnosed Gary and Carol Stern's Epic Fight Against Malpractice in the American Healthcare System. Wow, that's a lot to talk about because malpractice is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Gary, are you there? David. I mean, David. David. David, <laughs> David Black. Yeah, sorry, sorry. How are you? This is Catherine. Tom will be here eventually. He's, uh, I don't know what he's up to. He's got some sort of do or die phone call he had to take. So he'll be right back in. Very important. So right now you're talking to Catherine. Catherine. And Alex and Andy. Mm -hmm. Good to meet you too. 
So, David, Glad to meet you all. Thank you for being here. Um, David is an award-winning journalist, novelist, screenwriter, and producer. His novel, Like Father, was named a notable book of the year by the New York Times and listed as one of the seven best novels of the year by the Washington Post. So you're a very busy writer, and you decided to take time out of your life to write about the Stern's epic fight against malpractice. Why? Um, can you tell us a little bit about their story? Yes, Carolyn Gary, uh, and Gary Stern uh, were living in Baltimore, Maryland, and one day Carol just saw Gary sitting on the couch watching the Three Stooges and moaning and rocking back and forth. Oh. And uh, when he finally agreed to go to the hospital, the doctors misdiagnosed him. They, because he had a childhood history of Crohn's they mm. had, and had had a bout of Crohn's 10 years earlier, they decided it was Crohn's despite the fact that Gary kept saying, no, I've had Crohn's, it doesn't feel like Crohn's, it's on the right place. And it turned out uh, to be an ulcer which ruptured, and he spent four years of his life with his internal organs on the outside of his body. How do you even do that? Yeah, how do you... Was, was he in he... the hospital the entire time? He, he was not, no, uh, partly because they were, they were broke, and the hospital's... Uh, they had the experience of being turned down by hospitals because they didn't have insurance. And oh Carol went to war with the system and finally uh, started local politics, fought her way up to the Obama White House where they finally got help. But it's a, aside from being a fascinating um, medical malpractice story and a fascinating legal story, they sued and won one $20 million, one of the largest payouts in American history for an individual. Um, but uh, more, more than that, um, it's a love story, a love story played out against the background of uh, the tragedy of American health care uh, on the street level. Um, and uh, Carol not only took, got very involved in Gary's uh, health. I believe he had over a hundred surgeries in two or three years, um, and she finally invented a uh, like a gasket for a pump that was used to pump out the uh, bad stuff inside the body cavity. And she didn't patent it or license it, or she just invented it and gave it away. And doctors and nurses are using it in hospitals across the country now. Hmm. I, I see here on your on your bio it says fifty percent of the patients are in the hospital due to having been in the hospital. Yes, fifty percent. Fifty percent is called iatrogenic diseases, and uh, if you talk to many people who've been in the hospital, they walk away with things like seat in the seal, which you get in the hospital. And, I mean, the hospital is the last place where you want to go because it's filled with germs. Um, the, and one of the troubles is the hospital system is schizophrenic. Half of it is there are people there to help you, to help cure you. Uh, unfortunately, the other half is it's a bureaucracy, profit-making bureaucracy, and even the non-profit hospitals, you know, they, they have to pay their staff, they have to pay, um, uh, the, uh, everyone from the custodians up to the surgeons. Um, and so it's very hard to uh, to kind of deal with the system, which on the one hand is trying to help you, on the other hand is uh, is there to make money off you. And, and so doctors, you know, we all know of cases where doctors require tests that aren't needed, but you know they're covering themselves legally. And also, it's uh, getting as many tests as you can in, um, you know, hikes up the profit margin. And, and, Carol went to war with that. You know, I have this mindset that the doctors, some doctors, are part of the problem, and, and administration, too, because they keep on covering for each other. And they don't, want to, they don't want to admit that there's, they've made a mistake. Rather, they just go, go to the malpractice insurance rather than cleaning up the ranks. Am I... Right. 
I'm, I'm oh. absolutely. It's it's you know they you, as in any profession, you know, ten percent are going to be doctors are going to be uh, great, ten percent are going to be awful, and the other eighty percent are going to fall somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, and it's, it's there's a thing similar to with, uh, police officers, uh, which have the thin blue line. It is very hard to ever get a doctor to even with gross negligence, say anything bad about another doctor. Carol had the experience, Carol and Gary, uh, a lot of uh, some of the uh, staff, including the nursing staff, and nurses really run the hospitals, uh, the doctors don't, um, you know, the medical part. Um, and they had people coming up to them saying, get out of here, get to another hospital, keep records, get all the records you can. So people knew that something was wrong, and but you know, doctors forget. You know, they're the experts, and even though we know our bodies better than they do, they don't listen always. Um, and uh, once they have a, a they've made a decision. Most doctors, you know, just as in any profession, they're not going to listen to amateurs, which are we are the amateurs on whose bodies they are practicing. Um, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's, that's part of the whole tragic state of American health care always goes back to the, uh, you know, the, the impersonality um, in the hospitals. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a doctor I've been going to for 30 years, and he's connected to a good hospital. But most people don't have that. David, how are you? Tom Bernard here. I just hi. Uh, they, how are you? Oh, you know the people driving me nuts. But other than that, dude, I had to take care of some business. Thank you for your patience, and I'm sure. Oh, my, my, my pleasure. I'm sure that Catherine and Andy and Alex did a great job. Uh, D- David, if you don't mind, I call you. David, um, I have a I have a huge problem because I've been dealing with it lately, with three things in America right now. Of course, our political system is filthy. There's no question about that. And I'm not I, I'm not a Democrat nor a Republican, David. I'm kind of stuck in the middle, watching this stuff happen on both sides. I'm like, oh my god. And then the legal profession. Uh, once again, we're very lucky. We have a family friend who is our lawyer, so we're very lucky. But our legal system is way out of control. With defense lawyers being able to string cases out for ten years just so they can make more money. Absolutely. And then we got the the medical profession. One of the guys locally just retired. The man was making forty seven million dollars a year. I know. What are we doing, David? Well. Uh, we're we're letting the experts rule our lives. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's a place for experts, but um, but it's very important that we remember in, in dealing with medical issues, especially that um, you know they work for us. That's why we pay them. Doctor, we don't work for the doctors. They work for us, and they should demand the same level of courtesy, attention, clarity, honesty than we would uh, in a restaurant, which is labeled A if their kitchens are clean, and B and C, and worse if they're not. And uh, doctors sort of, they become a priestly caste, and uh, they don't want to be questioned. Uh, They don't even like it, even though you're supposed to ask for second opinions. Naturally, doctors, human beings who have egos, they're going to say, why why are you getting a second opinion? I mean, is mine good enough? Um. I mean, I've just got, I, 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 have a, I have a few things that I've dealt with with other people. When our son, he went in with gut pain, and he, he was in the hospital for three days, and the follow-up was, well, we think it's Crohn's. It could be IBS, but we're going to call it Crohn's. <laughs> so he was 16, 17 at the time? When you were diagnosed with uh, yeah, Crohn's, and of course, when he went off, you know, after co- after uh, college, he couldn't get insurance on his own because he was diagnosed with Crohn's. So right. thanks, Doc. If he would have been right. diagnosed with IBS, which they didn't know what it was, yeah, yeah, yep. I mean, it well, impacts it's, people's it's, lives in a huge way. Yeah, I mean the the. Um, uh, 
I, I, there was a period in my life, I'm now 76, and there was a period in my life about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, when for three years I was in the hospital a lot. I had three heart attacks in seven weeks. Ooh. Because practice makes perfect. I'm really good at it. <laughs> you got really good at it. Oh, I'm really good. Um, and, uh, and I had a cancer surgery, and I had this and I had that. Uh, you know, lost a kidney. I mean, it's uh, life. Life is like being in the trenches in World War One. It ain't safe. Right. It's more fun than being in the trenches in World War One. But um, we all end up finally you know, staring up at. Uh, a person who uh, it's best summed up. There was a movie Alec Baldwin was in where he played a surgeon, and somebody accused him of being playing God. And he said, "In this surgery, I am God." Oh, and yeah. Unfortunately, most <laughs> do you remember that movie it was Nicole Kidman? Yep. And most doctors feel that way. I mean, you know, they they went to school for a good part of their lives. They have enormous debt. They've got to justify the their expertise. Um, uh, somehow, I mean, I, I spent 20, 25 years also working in Hollywood, and uh, the same syndrome applies there. I mean, the, the uh, uh, only one person in every studio or network or cable company, only one person in each of those places can say yes. Everyone else, has, the only power they have is to say no. And um, so, first of all, you get a lot of no's because that's how they prove they're worth you know, their, their paycheck. Um, but it's, it's uh, you know, the, the, on every level, and this has nothing to do with whether you're liberal or conservative, on, on every level we've lost something with community. Um, I moved uh, full-time up upstate to Columbia County about 15 years ago, and something as simple as going to the post office, it, it sounds odd, but it's a joy, because you get to know the people compared to going to a post office in New York. Where, where are you guys located? In Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. I'm sure public post offices in Minneapolis are not. Oh, line, lines for days. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and, so there is something about, you know, the old Schumpeter quote, uh, think locally, act, think globally, act locally. Right. I got that right. Because yep. the other way doesn't make sense. But, um, <laughs> okay. but I, I'm old enough to remember when doctors made house calls. Also, they weren't that, ex- you know, they were relatively moderate. My family was a working class family, and, and we could afford having a doctor come to the house. And, and there, if you have a, a community, you know, if you, if you have everything, every decision you, you make, you're aware of its effect on your community. I mean, that's, that's very important. And the, I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts. Let me give that as an example. A town of about 300,000 people. It was, in 1940s and 50s, perfect. First of all, it had the perfect, uh, the first uh, school-mandated integration, court-mandated integration of school projects in American history called the Springfield Project. A movie was made about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, the, the schools were splendid. The post office, every neighborhood post office. Why? I went back to my 50th reunion, and... Out of a hundred people in my class, only three stayed in Springfield. Oh. The rest of us wanted to live a big life. We went to New York or California. And mm-hmm. One guy joined the CIA, and, and yeah, we all left. So why were we surprised when we came back and found that this perfect town, this 1950, you know, it's like a leave it to Beaver uh, town, had become the most violent city in the country. Oh. And so corrupt that twice the state had to intervene and take over on it. How did that happen? Well, we all left. Of course it was going to happen. And when I was going to school, the reason the schools were great was all the businesses were local. I mean, st- the, the, the department stores like Stikers and Ford's and Wallace, and uh, we had Merriam-Webster, which I think is still there. But 
all the big businesses which are now owned by absentee owners, corporations, mm-hmm. you know, were run by people who lived in the town, whose kids went to the local high school and junior high and elementary school. Um, and so the schools were as best, you know, they, as late as 1963 when I graduated, they were still teaching Latin and Greek. But we all left because we wanted, you know, in my case, I wanted to be a hippie. Uh, and, uh, okay. I, I remember my my father, who um, had grown up in the Northern Edge, and went to school for thirteen years playing poker and uh, cornet and a jazz band, paying his way, and became you know he could end up speaking fifteen, sixteen language, a very very smart guy, and um, you know, we, we we didn't have a lot of money, and yet we grew up. In a community where the difference between the rich and the poor, you know, the, the president Steigers, you know, and the uh, family ran for Zamalas, they lived in town, and all our we all went to school together, white, black, whatever, uh, whatever religion. I mean, it was it was wonderful. Why did we leave? Well, we all, you know, it's like our equivalent of Paris in the twenties. We wanted to uh, go places, meet people, do things. And the city died, and this is happening all across the country, and it affects us, uh, you know, on all our services, like the post office, our medical services. I remember when I was uh, maybe six, and the local, our, our family doctor came to look at my uh, strep throat, and he walked out of the room to talk to my mother, and I looked in his doctor's bag, and right on top was a pad of death certificates, and I thought, ooh, how cool. Very good, David. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Talking to David Black about the book Ripped Apart, Living Misdiagnosed, Garrel, uh, Gary and Carol Stern's Epic Fight Against Malpractice in the American Healthcare System. I'm really, really glad you're on today because it's just it's getting more and more concerning as as I said when I kind of jumped in. Uh, thank you again to the family for carrying that first five minutes of the interview. But but I just, the love of money, Mr. Black, it just, has it always been this way? Am I just noticing or has it gotten, it's all about politics and law and medicine. It's all about money. Now. Has it always been well, that way and I just didn't notice? Oh, I think if you go back through history, people, you know, our, our human beings have been here for a blink. Yeah. Universe started uh, what 13.7 billion years ago, and and you know even even our own planet we've been here for a blink, and so I don't think people change. I think it's always been about yeah. You know what it is? We're we're mammals and we're primates, and so the most important thing, the thing, the secret code that answers every question is it's all about territory and pecking order. That's what mammals do. Yep, Whether you're it's true. in road rage with somebody else in another car trying to cut you off, the reason we respond is territory. He's taking my territory. How dare he? We're you know we're we're fairly primitive species, um, and and yet we're expected to be able to respond. We're expected to be human beings, which means dealing through our frontal cortex and using. You know, logic and common sense and the various qualities we're born with. And so I think it's always been about money just the same way um, recently a, a Roman from the Roman Republic before before Augustus Caesar, uh, they were, somebody recently republished a joke book from 1 B.C., 1 A.D. You know, it's, it's a joke book. Right. Like Joe Miller's jokes. And the jokes they told... 2,000 years ago in Rome are like Las Vegas. They're mother-in-law jokes. They're all the same thing. <laughs> the ties so the why mind. should we be surprised when, when it, you know, it becomes all about money? The, the, yeah, the, other, right. the other thing to keep in mind, and, and this is, I think, hard. one of the hardest things for us as humans to do is, is to... Um, Try to hold two opposing ideas in our mind at the same time. So yes, it is all about money, and it screwed us up royally. Yep. Um, and the, on, on the other hand, 
uh, you know, the the I was my father was a Trotskyist during during the fifties during the McCarthy era. He used to bring me up and uh, put me to bed at night. But good night, sleep tight, wake up bright in the morning light. Come the revolution, may it be short and bloody. <laughs> I didn't know about bed bugs. I once heard a college friend saying good night to his son and said. You know, don't let the bed bugs like. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, what about the revolution? <laughs> and, um, and and so, you know, part of me looks for a more compassionate society and, yep. and balks at the, the free marketplace, which I believe in, not, not monopoly capitalism, because that's socialism for the rich. But, but normal competition, normal non-monopoly capitalism allows us to be citizens of the world. We're not just citizens of our own tribe. Mm-hmm, right. Because if the United States and Great Britain, right after you know, the War of 1812, in fact, right after the Revolution, uh, they were began trading with each other instantly. And so free trade helps reduce prejudice and helps reduce, uh, you know, it's, you're not going to go to war with the country if you're trading with them. Right. That, that affects how we're reacting to uh, China right now. And Carol's book, the thing I found remarkable about her and her, her story, and she's the most candid interview I have ever had, and one of only two people in 40-plus years of professional writing who's become a lifelong friend. And her book allows us to, first of all, it's a great love story. It's a, it's a love that literally defied death. Carol said, I'm going to keep you, Gary, alive until you tell me you're ready. And Gary said, I'm not going to tell you I'm ready until I know you're taken care of. Uh-huh. They, were, they were living at your know, churches. were sending them small amounts of money to help them with their bills. Uh-huh. Uh, and and they, were, they had a very hard time. And when they won the lawsuit, they won $28 million with the judgment. And Carol knew the minute she got the check, Gary would know she'd be taken care of, and he would die. So when she got the check, she put it in a safe and didn't tell him for quite a while. (laughs) I love it. I love it, And also, the people are interesting. Gary was um, not only a bail bondsman, but he he and his brother were uh, bounty hunters. They literally kicked down doors with guns drawn. Sure. Um, and so already, you know, if, if that was the only story, it would be worth telling. Carol's story, uh, equally as interesting, her family had involvement with her. She had an uncle who was in the CIA, and, and her father, who was a Navy flyer, once he went out with two friends one night because he found out about a Coast Guard cutter that was running drugs from a cartel ship to the California coast. And he and his two friends went out to catch these guys. The two friends were found dead, floating in the water, no sign of the boat, no sign of Carol's father. A number of years later, they got uh, no uh, no return address envelope from Algiers or someplace. And it was just a paper, a newspaper photograph of five men who were in the French Foreign Legion, which still exists, which I didn't realize. And one of them was Carol's father, who clearly realized the only way he could save his family was to disappear. So the, the bad guys wouldn't be able to hold them uh. responsible for anything he did. So, again, if that were the only story, it would be worth telling. And then you get the two stories together, and this incredible love story where um, Carol kept her husband alive. He should, the doctors from virtually day one kept saying, your husband is going to make it, he's going to die. And Carol would say, says you. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, she, she uh, I turned down the book twice. Uh, we were put together by a mutual friend who's a director and an actor, Hollywood, who was filming in Baltimore, and Carol's husband had just passed, and Carol wanted to write a book to give a map to other people who are not just going through what she specifically, what she and Gary went through, but in general with the medical uh, system. And um, and the first two times I talked to her at great length, I thought, you know, the verdict, after the verdict, you can't write a better narrative about the medical malpractice. It's perfect. 
And the third time I talked to Carol, I realized I get it. It is about medical malpractice. It is about the legal system. It is about these two interesting characters. But it's a love story where she and Gary, mostly Carol, looked, you know, opened the door, saw the guy with the hood in the side, and said, "Come back another day." <laughs> what a story. David Black, the book is called Ripped Apart, Living Misdiagnosed, Gary and Carol Stern's Epic Fight Against Malpractice in the American Healthcare System. <clears throat> David, I know it's going to be hard for you to believe, but timing in, in, in life is pretty amazing. The reason I was five minutes late coming on the show this morning is I had a couple of co-workers in a different, not this business, but in a different, I do a local morning show and a bunch of different things. And I was on the phone for an extra five minutes because I had two um Two of my co-workers, I'll put it that way, two of my co-workers calling me. The first one called me and said, blah, 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 is going to screw me over. He's going to take it, take us, he's going to ruin everything. It's going to be just horrible and blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, let me get back to you. So I called the other person and they said, uh, guy number one, he's going to ruin everything. He's going to steal money from us. He's going to destroy the business. And I said to both of them, I, I got it. I can see the, the numbers here, and I can see what needs to happen here, there, and everything. But these two guys were convinced that the other guy was going to screw them over, even though there was no chance that could ever happen. So what is, what's well, that well, all about, Welcome David? to America 2021. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. it, isn't it? Everybody's going to get screwed over now because of right. this and the other thing. But that's why... Well, that's what they were... When I first, when I first went to Hollywood, uh, an old-timer there said... David, and forgive me for the language, David, you're going to get screwed in this town. The question is whether you're going to get kissed first. <laughs> well, is it, David, that's the world now. Honest to God, I'm, I'm so glad you were. But there's something in the universe, though. The timing of all this worked out so well because I literally was talking to people about exactly what you're talking about in your book. <laughs> not, not a misdiagnosis. A financial misdiagnosis is what this was. This is an actual health issue. But I was literally talking to two different people about exactly what you're talking about. So, man, it's got to be prevalent. It's got to be everywhere right now, David. Oh, we can't escape it. No, we cannot. You need to come back. We need to talk to you more often, young man. I would love to. Please do come back. I've got some back. good Hollywood stories to tell you. Please, seriously, David, I, I will reach out if you don't mind. I would love to have you back on. Thank I, you, I'm delighted to. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. We shall take a break. Be right back. Just a couple minutes with the family. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Well, he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. The My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and outdoor all day long. Made with My Pillow foam and Impact Gel to help prevent fatigue, and made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family, which is what we did. Call 1 800 516 5146 or use promo code TOM, of course. 1 800 516 5146. Use promo code TOM or go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use promo code TOM. You'll also get deep discounts on all My Pillow products, including. The Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Call 1-800-516-5146. Use promo code TOM. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fishing ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan's Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. What's more important than reliable plumbing? 
having someone you can rely on in case it ever needs attention. Hi, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Look, you don't want to mess around with leaks or shoddy installation or repair when it comes to plumbing. Sabre is the largest installer of Moen fixtures and Ream water heaters in Minnesota. They're dependable pros who get the job done right. So when plumbing happens, call Sabre or visit saberheating.com. We are back. Very interesting. I there was a lot of questions I had for him, but we ran out of time. He was really good. Yeah, like why do nonprofit hospitals still seem to be incredibly profitable? (laughs) Oh, like a couple local outfits, you mean? Yeah, I mean, in teaching hospitals, it's like why why aren't there like hugely reduced rates when you're you know being used as a guinea pig for other doctors in training? Absolutely to, true. You have to say it's okay. Well, I know, but still. You have to say what's okay. To be used. That's yeah, true, you do. It's not like they just throw any whatever practice, like, yeah, you doctor at you. They say, they like, is it okay? They can't force treatment if, on you. Yeah. Well, okay, in the haircutting world, you've got these salons that will have people that are, don't have a lot of experience, so you pay them $25 for a haircut. And then people that get a lot, you know, more experience and are really good and, you know, they get a bigger clientele, then all of a sudden you need, you pay them $30 for a haircut and on and on and on. Why not the same kind of thing with doctors? Well, that's the idea behind a teaching hospital, but there's not tons of those. I mean, they're out there. There's plenty of them. Yeah, if you've only been in practice for two or three years, I'm sorry, I'm guessing you're probably not that great. Yeah. Well, that's also the idea behind a GP versus a specialist. Specialists tend to make more money because, yeah, because they really know what they're talking about in this, you know, specific realm or well, whatever. Well, like I said, your doctor was a specialist and, you know, he had to... What's... It's like, oh, we'll call it Crohn's. It might be IBS. Well, well, and, you, and you didn't have either one, right? I, I have IBS for sure. You have IBS, but you don't have Crohn's. I strongly doubt I have Crohn's. But he called it Crohn's. I have the most mild case of Crohn's in the world. Well, that's like my, I have a friend that went to the Mayo to get, she had half of her thyroid taken out. And they were like, oh, we biopsied it and you don't have cancer. And she was like, I'm telling you to do biopsy it again. And they were like, Mm. well, you'll have to pay for it. She's like, I don't care. I am telling you I have thyroid cancer. Because they took it out because she had a growth. Right. And... They were like, oh, well, we biopsied it again, and you don't have cancer. She's like, do it again. Do it th- a third time. And on the third time, they found cancer. Really? Yeah. And so they had to take out, they took out the rest of her entire thyroid. At the Mayo. Yeah. Mm. They didn't know at the Mayo? They bio- they had, she the made hell? them biopsy it two extra times because she was like, I'm telling you. How I want to be. Know? Well, it was more of like, I want to be absolutely certain oh, it's okay. not cancer, because if it is, then it'll, because thyroid cancer spreads really quickly. So she was like, because, and it affects your entire, yeah, everything. everything. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I just need to, she's like, I am telling you, I have it, because I just have this growth that just got like huge and I don't know. So yeah, ended up having thyroid cancer. Yeah. And now she's fine. Yeah. She doesn't have thyroid anymore. Do you need a thyroid? Yes. yes, to live. Yes, you do. Well, if she doesn't have she a thyroid, how pills. can she live? She has to take pills every Just single day. Thyroid like She has to wake up at the same exact oh, okay. time every single day, take the pills, drink a glass of water, and not eat for 30 minutes or something like that. It's like very specific. Yeah, but it's noon when she has to get up, so it's not that <laughs> Yeah, bad. exactly. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, somebody I know has been being treated for lymphoma, and... The doctor sent her home without her the proper medication. Wow! It was it was just it was not it just oh just an accident just didn't put it on the list. She ended up being so violently ill she had to be she had to go into the ER, which she's not supposed to be exposed to like COVID anything or anything. So they send her to the you know they tell her go to the ER. Right. And then after they do some of her surgery, they don't put a drain in, and then she has this gigantic hematoma, and she had to go in and have that taken care of at the ER again. Yeah. So it's interesting because he said 
that 50% of people that are in the hospital are because of procedures. Or from being in the hospital. They're from in the being hospital, in the from being in the hospital. Yes. Yeah. I, ha- I have had situations oh. Oh. where they, like in college, I was on a medication for a little bit for acne, and I had an ocular migraine, and I went to urgent care, and they were like, or no, I went to the ER, and mm-hmm. you came with me, and they gave me IV Benadryl, which made me go into tachycardia, and... Then they gave me Ativan to calm down the Benadryl thing. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that was really Jesus. weird. It was crazy. Um, anyway, and so with this medication, the one of the highest risk factors is stroke. And so I went to get my physical the next year, and she was like, oh, have you been to the hospital the next year or whatever? And I was like, or then the last year, and I was like, yeah, I was in the ER. And she's like, for what? And I was like, an ocular migraine. She's like, you had an ocular migraine? It's like, yeah. And she was like, you need to get off of this medication immediately. That's like a huge sign that you could have a stroke from this medication. And she's like, they didn't tell you at the ER to get off of this medication? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, are you on any other medication? I'm like, no, it's the only thing I want. She's like, the fact that they didn't see that you take this and realize that this was a problem is shocking to me. Okay, so one person, yeah. <laughs> two, mm. Andy, and this other friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she's gone through a lot just because yeah. of their, in, in my opinion, it's incompetence. Oh, yeah. Or maybe they just don't care. I don't know. A lot don't. of doctors, I mean, I remember when I was going to doctors for my acne, I was going to the dermatologists, and it was just like, it felt very much like, I just want to give you a pill and please leave. Yeah. It wasn't, they never talked to me about anything. Oh, I they never. That, I think the insurance companies allow them 15 minutes. Yeah, it's like a turn and burn situation. Then yeah. I finally found a doctor that it was like, let's talk about what's going on and how are you feeling and blah, 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 blah. And then it ended up, you know, I went on, I went off that medication and then I went on just like some supplements and then it went away. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't it, that, that would be nice if that yeah. would have been the first thing. That yeah, they considering yeah. I dealt with acne for like five years yeah off and on trying to find something and then they oh and then they tried to give me accutane which my acne was never that bad i don't know what i remember i know that accutane's been on the television it's extremely crazy it's like you have isn't it for severe acne like like cystic yeah yeah and they were like well you could just take accutane i'm like i have like very normal teenage acne isn't Accutane the stuff that you can't be on if you're trying to get pregnant? pregnant? Yeah, you have to take birth control and you have to take a pregnancy test like every month because if you get pregnant while on it, your child will have like major deformities. Hmm. Now, see, I don't want to be on any know, sort of exactly. medication that would do that to a fetus. I know. Like, there's... <laughs> I just don't think that's good. In college, I lived on the same floor with a gal that was on Accutane, and she would cover her face in Vaseline every day because her it like dried her skin out so much, and her face was so red. She's like, "Well, it's like a two month adjustment period, and then your skin's amazing." And I'm like, "Uh, pass." Hard pass. What were we supposed to go to before a break? Uh, sixteen, I think you said. Oh, okay. No, we have well, well, now Tom again. just ran left off again. again. Boy, this is an interesting day. I have so many stories of people that it's like, I had this procedure, and then I had to go back a few days later because this happened. And yeah. Oh, so I guess it's like 50%. I was giving, yeah. I, when, when I read that 50% yeah, that people, does seem, yeah, it actually does seem like that might be right. I know. It's like the whole insurance company giving them 15 minutes thing. It's like, okay, if you doubled that time... And actually talked to people about what's going on and spent the time figuring it out, then it would be a lot less time net. Yeah. Of people going in and out trying to figure out what's wrong. You oh, know? yeah, if you're just rushing them through. Yeah, because I mean, then you're not actually. Yeah, how thorough can you be in 15 minutes? Yes, yeah, you can't. Yeah, I don't understand. I know. So, Sage. Spent the night what with us. We, we, yeah. Yeah, 3.45. Yeah. Nana, <clears throat> Nana, do you remember when we went to the aquarium at the Mall of America for Fawn's birthday? Yes, I do. Did you, did you like the sharks? <laughs> I'm like, yes, really like the sharks. Okay. 4.15. Nana, Nana, <laughs> do you remember... <laughs> 
I went to the Golden Valley Pool. <laughs> I mean, he had to relive his whole life. Oh, yeah. In He's an hour processing. and a half, and I had to be asked if I remembered any of it. Did you? No, I don't. Good night. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, what I'd say. No, I don't remember that. Oh, Good my night. God. No, but yeah, then I'll... he'd probably continue to describe everything to you because you didn't remember it. Yes, yes. Do you remember when I saw my buffalo friends at the Minnesota Zoo? No, you weren't there, were you, Nan? I'm like, yes, I, I was. And one of the reasons why you, I gave you a buffalo for your birthday is because you love the buffalo so much. He goes, oh, that's right. Thank you so much, Nana, for the buffalo. I'm like, at least he's sweet. At least he's sweet <laughs> in the middle of the night, preventing you from getting any sleep. Nana, yeah. Nana. Well, then we went to the Do zoo for Father's Day. All of us yesterday. There were quite a few we fathers were, there. there. I I go to the zoo with the kids probably about once every other month, I'd say. When I had a membership, I went more. But <clears throat> And well, now that they don't make you wear a mask outside anymore. Or inside. Or anywhere, yeah. But they don't make you wear a mask. They used to make everybody wear a mask inside and outside. And I'm like, I get inside. But outside? Because I'm like, most of the time you're at the zoo, you're outside. And yeah. you're not even really close to very many people unless it's packed well i guess which i never did you were supposed to wear your mask outside all the time with a mandate yeah. that was just wear the mask 24 hours really? a day i thought it was just inside no the moment i stepped outside i ripped i'm like <laughs> but yeah there were oh no oh dear. Wow. And there were so many men at the zoo i was like whoa this is weird and we ran into two people or two different families that we knew yeah, it was really busy. It was nice to see it, it busy, busy, to tell yeah. you the truth. They still won't let you near the cats. Did the big cats, they can get COVID, right? Cats can? Yeah, they do can they get COVID. Like tigers and leopards and stuff. But yeah, did they get like affected they by can. it? Yeah, they can yeah. get COVID. Yeah, there was like a tiger somewhere that got it. And But yeah, does there anything happen or did they just get it? Because they were keeping all the cat displays. Yeah, you had to, it was everything was like roped, roped off, off and... and yeah, you, you had had to stay, stay away. You could only see them from through like a building, not through yeah. a fence. I don't know. I I was. I feel like do cats die of COVID? I mean, when does the mask mandate off for <laughs> big cats? Yeah, cat, you need to wear your mask. You could have COVID. Yeah, well, apparently know. they can get it, but it doesn't really do a whole lot to them. Okay. Well, then why are they being so incredibly weird well, about those it? Tigers are very expensive and rare. No. Oh. Well, well, the le the leopard and the tiger were both. Well, the tiger you all it's always you have to be very far away from the tiger. Mm -hmm. But the leopard was it was like all roped off and you could only see it from inside of a building. Yeah, but it, there were so and many. And it wasn't there anyway. A lot of dads with girl dad T-shirts and then the girls had daddy's girl shirts. I don't know if I bought that for Dan, he would be like, "Well, I would never buy that for Dan because why would I yeah. want that?" I, yeah, he would be like, "What? No, I mean, if Sage were a girl, I suppose." But no, well, I'm, I'm like, never. I I'm not a t-shirt for a day type person. Yeah, you know, no, it's very wasteful. Well, I mean, he I guess you could wear a girl dad shirt anytime. Like Andy has that. My wife's a realtor shirt. That's true. <laughs> I know he does. Do. Very, very sparkly. Mm -hmm. or, I'm not kidding either. Very He's sparkly. very sparkly. My wife's a realtor. Shirt. It's a, it's a look. Yep. <laughs> well, it's free advertising, I guess. How many people have come up to you and been like, "Is she? Mm. I would like to buy a house." Not any so far. <laughs> Although I usually only wear it yeah. when I'm going to be like at home all day. Oh, yeah. well, that's not helpful. You should wear it to well, Menards. I think and... he's just trying to make the old lady happy. The old lady. Well, I don't think she wants me to wear it in public is the thing. Oh, why did it's, she get it for you? Well, she didn't know it was going to be that That sparkly. Foil. Sparkly. Very sparkly. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, it's a little more shimmery than I realized. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, like dance class very, yeah. sparkle <laughs> letters. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, people wear shirts that say things. There was a guy that said a, had a shirt that said, I like to fart. You know? Mm. These well, are things that people wear. His five-year-old daughter probably wanted Bought him to get that. Him. Yeah, Fawn wanted to get Dad a <laughs> poop card. There was like a picture of the poop emoji on the front of it, and then you open it and it said, "Thanks for putting up with all my crap." I was like, "She was like, what does it say?" I was like, "Uh, nothing. Nope, not no. What?" And she's obsessed. There, my kids are at the point where they're obsessed with. Um, 
cards that make music and sounds. Oh, yes. The Sage ones that got they gave Bop Bop oh were God. very annoying, I have to say. Sage's and especially. It was a dog, <laughs> and you open up the front, and then it's you pull its tongue out, and it's like, oh, please, oh, please, have a happy Father's Day. Throw me a bone here. Please, oh, please, have a happy Father's yeah. Day. Really it's whiny. so annoying. And he kept playing with it, and I ended up hiding it because I was like, he just needs. And then he was like, where today? We were home, and he was like, Where's that dog card that I gave Bop Bop? Can I have it back? I'm like, no, it's for Bop Bop, and we're never touching <laughs> nope. it again. Bop Bop's gonna be pulling that dog's yeah, tongue constantly. <laughs> and then Fawn got him one that like a pop up crown came up, and then it played like very pop and re- circumstance. Oh, it did. Yeah. No. Oh. Isn't that what da 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 da? Yeah, I think is? so. Yeah. Oh, it played pop and circumstance. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking pop. of um, Dan's card. It oh. plays like superhero music. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> wish that they'd never invented the musical cards. At first, they were kind of fun when they first came out, but yeah. they've gotten more and more annoying. Well, for kids, it just doesn't get any better. No. Other than the card, there will never be anything better than Fawn's card for you for your birthday. The pizza one? The pizza one. Oh, oh my God, that was yes. so funny. It was no. just I still have that one because it was so hilarious. Well, she bought, we went down for. It was like around your birthday, and we're like, oh, we'll celebrate your birthday when we're in Florida. And Fawn, before we left, we picked out birthday cards for Nana. And she's like, this one. And it was a picture of a dog sitting at a table with pizza in front of it. And she was like, Nana's going to love this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She was just so excited. And then my mom opens the card and looks at it, and Fawn goes, it's a dog eating pizza. And And she laughed. Oh my god! Her ass she thought it was the greatest thing, and this is like two years ago too. She it's was like funny because it's a dog <laughs> eating pizza. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so hilarious! Oh, they're so cute. When they're you're not waking you up at three so o'clock in the morning. Cute. He was still cute waking up at three o'clock yeah. in the morning. Very sweet. Yes, but it's uh, it's a lot. <laughs> it is. I know. And then it takes like three days to like feel normal again. Yes, it does. I can't. I can't get over just missing a whole night's sleep anymore. Like my two, it's like two days later is when it affects me. Like the next day, I'm a little bit tired, but not too bad. And then it's two day, like another night's sleep after that. Then the bad night's sleep affects me. Oh well, last night when Dad was at the television doing his what do you want to watch what do you want to watch what do you want to watch and i was just you know how you get so tired that you're just like i don't care about anything except for just going you know like you got kind of a headache sort of and you're sort of startly because you're so tired i was like that and then he went into a political rant oh god because of something that he saw on the tv and i was like i'm gonna start to cry i swear i can't handle it okay well, I guess we're we, done with this whole take a break, <laughs> and then we'll be back with back. maybe, maybe Tom Bernard. Maybe yeah. he might come I know Kostaki will show some up. Some interesting facts. So <laughs> yeah. we'll be back.